Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Walls Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And please welcome our three civil guests. We have Doug Gobeski. A pleasure, as always. Paul Wilcox. It's great to be here. And Anthony Huff. Oh, thanks for um, using my uh, legal name. You're welcome. And uh, we are here to begin that most wonderful time of the podcast year. It's time for Merry Marvel Movie March Madness. Woo! Yay! Oh, wow, it really is. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even realize. We're already there. Yeah. Come full circle. It feels like only a year ago. It does. Merry Marvel Movie March Madness, and we get three Marvel movies this year. That's why it's madness. Yeah, why the the schedule just happens to line up to get three episodes in. Yeah, doing five movies this March. Gonna be one every week. How are we? (laughs) We are all going to do one every Uh, week. (laughs) We all we all do a podcast by ourselves of each one and report back. And we we put them together and play them all at the same time. (laughs) And another exciting thing, tangentially related to the movie we watched today, but uh, the Merry Marvel Movie March has, uh, by the time you hear this, has entered that. Not very exclusive club, but still club worth mentioning, which is that it is yet another thing that will have lasted longer than the Confederacy. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, because nice. uh, yeah. that meme was going around a long time ago. And at that day, I calculated it and put it in my calendar when that day would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not there yet. Not by record, but by release, we will be. For, so from release to release, uh, the first one we did came out November 26th, 2016. That was its release date. And February 25th of this year, 2021, is the day that is one day longer than the Confederacy was around. So, Man, and we never even made a flag. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. But today we're talking about installment 53 of the Merry Marvel Movie March. So that's actually exactly... It's been 50 installments since Tony first showed up for installment three. Oh, nice. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about the May 2016 movie Captain America Civil War, which is the start of phase three of the MCU. So then Captain America Civil War is the story of one Dennis Civil War, who is first in line to inherit the Civil War Museum and the... Fun fact, he gets it. There's no problems. The paperwork goes through just fine. But uh, it turns out that the problems arise in that while he's there, he gets trapped inside the museum overnight, at which point the uh, exhibits come to life and start talking to him. Uh, It's a horror movie. So they chase him through the museum, and eventually he has to fend them off with the femur from a T-Rex. Why that's in a Civil War museum? <laughs> Unclear. But yeah, did they even have dinosaurs back then? I feel like that might be apocryphal. Well, see, I looked into it, and while they had dinosaurs, I don't think they had T Rexes. I think the nearest equivalent was probably the Allosaurus. Mm. I mean, it doesn't seem had... to be an accurately, a historically accurate movie. Mm. Cinema goofs. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a nice breezy. Uh, 190 minutes. So, okay. But it turns out that the secret is hugs. If you hug the exhibits, they go back to sleep. 
<laughs> Spoiler alert, I guess, for yeah, Captain America, Dennis whole... Civil War. We'll have to put that in in post. Yeah, <laughs> cut that. <laughs> Charlie, in three sentences or less, what's the more genuine synopsis of this yeah. movie? <laughs> so after a disastrous mission in Lagos, uh, the Avengers are approached by the leaders of the world who insist that they should now be regulated and only go on missions that the UN says they should go on. Captain America is against this. Tony Stark is for this. And it sets off a civil war, if you will, between the Avengers who fight over what they think is the right thing to do. And also, Bucky Barnes comes back. (laughs) Captain America's cool with it. And Tony Stark, not a fan. Well, that was certainly a synopsis. You know, that is... I that is better than I think I could do because as soon as you started I was like oh man what happened <laughs> a lot of stuff it was like two movies butted together also I guess there's there's an overarching villain in this too it's not just Tony infighting Stark. Tony Stark yeah he had, he admits as much Doug do you think you could do better I could probably do better than that yeah is this like name that tune <laughs> You get the shortest synopsis. Don't forget the lyrics with Wayne Brady, actually. (laughs) I actually thought Adam was asking Doug if he could do better as being the villain for a second there. (laughs) Pretty lame villain. I don't need to ask questions I know the answer to. (laughs) Right? Yeah. We already know it's don't accept any mistake. Like, you'd make no mistakes. An Avengers mission goes terribly wrong, killing many civilians. And when the uh, world governments get together to discuss what they're going to do about the Avengers problem, more people die. And it turns out that it was all masterminded by uh, some evil guy called Helmut Zemo, who convinces the Avengers that they should actually be fighting each other instead of, uh, I don't know, there wasn't actually any real... I mean, they didn't get called off on any missions, so I guess there weren't any real crises to justify their existence. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. Okay. I'm telling you, this is one of our toughest movies. This is not a three-sentence movie. This is like a six-sentence movie. (laughs) So the question is, who did it better, Charlie or Doug? Nah. <laughs> you want to be pitted against each other in a sort of civil yeah, war? This is, this is not. I'm not falling for this. Man, Adam is really pushing a civil yeah. war. <laughs> Paul actually learned something by watching this movie. <laughs> Paul thinks he's so cool. <laughs> so, had you seen this movie before? I had. I saw it in theaters, and I've seen it on Blu-ray a number of times, and I enjoyed it in pretty much all of those viewings. I don't think I've ever had a viewing where I was like, this sucks! So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had also seen this before uh, in the theaters, and I think once on Blu-ray also. Remember, remember liking it, I think. You don't remember disliking it. Yes. I think I vaguely remember it being very feeling long, but I I think I liked it back then so i actually did see the first maybe 10 minutes of this movie it, there was this one night where car and i were sitting around and like let's just we didn't neither of us knew anything about 
this movie. This was years ago. We're like, let's just see if we understand what's going on at the beginning of this Avengers movie. This was before she saw any of them, and we weren't anywhere near this on anywhere near this on the march, and we got very confused, especially by Wanda and Falcon, who we had no idea who either of them were. <laughs> just a bunch of explosions, a lot of fighting. We're like, uh, okay. I mean, we get it. <laughs> But Falcon came flying and we're like, wait, who's he? <laughs> so just to be sh- just to be clear, y- you decided to watch, without having seen any of the others, installment 13 of a movie series. Yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not in the title. Where do you, how do you know where the hell to start? True. Yeah. <laughs> it is the like third captain america <laughs> we we yeah. yeah but it's just called captain america civil war how do i know which one it is or, <laughs> yeah isn't it the fourth one anyway is it the fourth one i i couldn't remember i mean in in the march no yeah. no shoot it's the fifth dang it the there's fifth so captain many. america yeah because there's the serial from 1944 no and there's no. the movie from I, 1990 nobody cares about those hey don't discredit <laughs> the parts of the march just because you weren't in them yeah, come on. If I wasn't in the march, it doesn't count. Hmm. Well, I guess we we'll, we can never talk about Mao oh, ever again, Mr. President. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this movie in theaters and uh, once before on Blu-ray, and the the time when I watched it on Blu-ray, I like put it on but i wasn't really engaged and i gotta say this is a movie that doesn't hold your hand if you're not paying close attention to what's going on mm-hmm. like it it just feels incredibly long and dull if you're only half watching it's just it's just okay they're punching each other some more i don't i don't really know why but a little bit better this this time around um i uh am actually kind of like charlie and that I've only seen a portion of this movie before. I would have bet money that I had seen this movie before. And I would have bet money and I would have said that I really liked it as well. <laughs> 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 and then I started watching the movie and realized I have not seen any of these parts. And then got to the big fight scene at the airport and was like, oh, I've seen this. So... I think I watched a YouTube clip at some point uh, <laughs> and they were like, it must've been the, if you haven't seen, cause I remember going through like trying to get it when I was watching infinity war, I was like, they're like, here, watch these scenes. And then you'll, you'll, you'll basically, you'll be fine. So I think that's what happened. Captain America, civil war. Oops. All civil war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it was interesting. So anyway, I had not seen this movie before, um, and I thought that I had liked it. All right. <laughs> Thinking is half the battle. <laughs> I thought I had liked it. <laughs> so backstory. Oh, we got backstory for you. Do you want backstory? Charlie does. You came to the right place. Yes, yes, is, yes. Back, back, back that story up. So. This movie is an adaptation of a Marvel crossover event, also called Civil War, by everyone's favorite goat licker, Mark Miller, back again. Civil War is the comic limited event series, however one phrases these things. 
Uh, came out around 2006. Doug can feel free to argue with me on this, I think, if necessary. But in many ways, it feels like a comic book reaction to the post 9-11 war on terror sort of and the Bush administration, like that whole sort of like environment we were in at that point. But the Patriot basic Act and all. Patriot Act. Yeah. yeah. But the basic storyline is there is a superhero team called the New Warriors who are at this stage in their career, reality TV show stars, just roll it. They are fighting a supervillain named Nitro, whose power is he explodes. While they're filming them fighting him, he explodes in Stamford, Connecticut, killing a school bus full of children and a bunch of other people and basically all of the New Warriors. It's difficult to convey to people who hadn't read the New Warriors reality TV show book up to this point how insane a tone shift this is for that team. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the characters is a guy who speaks to microbes. Like, that's that's his superpower. Yeah, so this is just a whiplash from... Like, oh, fun, happy, you know, enjoyable comic book. Oh, by the way, they're mass murderers unintentionally, but still. <laughs> anyway, this really upsets the public. So as a reaction to that, uh, the government attempts to pass. Well, I don't think they attempt to. I think they successfully passed the Superhero Registration Act, where basically anyone who has enhanced powers, whether that's naturally through some experiment gone wrong or whatever or you know via super suits that kind of thing they have to register with the government iron man is pro this captain america is against this and so they spend seven issues more or less fighting back and forth about who's gonna win in my personal opinion by the end of this the wrong side wins and Iron Man wins, the Superhero Registration Act is officially enacted, and Captain America is arrested. And then later he's assassinated by a brainwashed Sharon Carter, because comics are stupid in many ways. Actually, that storyline's okay, but when you just describe it, it sounds stupid. Um, it's a fairly divisive uh, crossover in comic book circles, fandom circles. I know there's a number of people who really like it. There's a number of people who really hated it. Famously, one of the, not the main Civil War book, but one of the spin-off books, Civil War Frontline, uh, made the claim that Captain America could not represent the United States of America because he did not know about MySpace. He didn't know what that was. I am not making this up, by the way. This is genuinely in the comic. Like, that's sort of like the capstone of that particular side series doug can I, confirm this. i will uh i will admit that by the end of it i very much regretted paying money to buy those and read them. <laughs> <laughs> so while reading up on this a little bit to refresh my memory because i haven't read those issues since they came out the impression i got is that the civil war storyline has been rehabilitated a little bit kind of like how the star wars prequels are rehabilitated and in the case of civil war obviously those people are wrong and <laughs> anyway it's a very what, divisive so wait story. wait wait what part got rehabilitated just the overall story like oh this is a good story or the the fact that uh tony stark won in the end i think just the overall the whole thing just people are like oh, yeah, this is actually all right okay. and i will ad i will admit i i think the, the general storyline's okay 
I still think the wrong side won, especially because you had we're going down the rabbit hole now. I'm sorry for this, <laughs> but especially because you also had a spinoff book or a series of books involving the X-Men who very famously have to keep dealing with the mutant registration act. <laughs> and so then you suddenly had the superhero registration act and this sort of conflict, but especially if you had grown up reading X-Men comics or watching the cartoon or anything like that, you got the impression that the mutant registration act was a bad thing. So that's why for me, at least like when you got to the end of civil war and they were like, yeah, Tony Stark's win. It was like, what the wrong guys won. So that's the comic book storyline. That's being very broadly adapted in this movie. Very wisely, they. this is not a close adaptation. This is a very loose adaptation of that storyline. What kind of strikes me as interesting about this Superhero Registration Act is that I feel like in a comic book universe, the government would already have a pretty good handle on who who was doing that stuff <laughs> well part of it was uh they they were also forcing people to uh essentially get trained in the use of their responsible use of their powers like i, th- I want to say there's a young avengers that comes out of civil war is that isn't that right yeah i think so it's sometimes hard to remember when exactly all these things happened True. See, they they kind of touch on something like that in the movie where Vision talks about how there's more people that have these abilities, you know, in the world and there's more conflict. So that, that would kind of make sense, I guess. So when they were talking about doing the third Captain America movie, uh, they hit upon the idea of doing something roughly adapt the Civil War storyline. And uh, so I believe the Russos and like Kevin Feige, they all got pretty excited about this. They figured they could use that to see things further down the line, you know, do stuff like that. Now, if you're going to do a Civil War storyline and you have Captain America, obviously you also need Iron Man, because at least in the comics, he's a pretty major part of that. So they were like, well, let's get Robert Downey Jr. on board. And Robert Downey Jr. was like, well, if you're going to want me, I want to be an actual like major part of this film and to be paid accordingly etc not unreasonable request i think but when this request was made the head of marvel ike perlmutter who is famously uh stingy when it comes to spending money uh he's the guy who fired terrence howard rather than pay him additional money for the sequel he was promised apparently yeah agents had lots of stories about marvel casting especially back in the day Ike Perlmutter basically said, the hell with that. We're not paying him anything. Get rid of Tony Stark in this movie. We don't We don't need Robert Downey Jr. So Kevin Feige had been kind of butting heads with Perlmutter for a while, apparently, at this point. And the Marvel Creative Committee, who you might remember from things like Age of Ultron and Ant-Man, answered, I think, to Perlmutter in some way. The story basically goes as far as we can tell. Kevin Feige went to the head of Disney and basically said, it's either me or Perlmutter choose. Because he was done with it. He was he didn't want to deal with Perlmutter anymore. And they chose, and they chose Kevin Feige. And so they reorganized Marvel so that the movies were no longer under the Marvel managerial umbrella. Now they were under Disney as a studio. And apparently, once that happened, a lot of the things that happened later on in Phase 3 and then coming up in Phase 4... Uh, started happening that wouldn't have happened before otherwise. That includes a Black Panther solo movie. That includes a Captain Marvel movie or any movie headed by a, a female lead. Uh, Perlmutter was against this. Supposedly he was against uh, female leads because they didn't sell toys. 
because remember he comes from the toy business. We discussed that a while back. Hey, and, I own a lot of female toys, just so you know. Oh, I don't think he's right, but <laughs> he might have been right, like in 1994 or something. But you, Paul, you're what they call an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a Gwenpool action figure, so. And he didn't want to do Black Panther because he didn't think it would sell outside of the United States. Those mm. were his stated reasons. And that went on to, uh, I actually don't know what it did, but I, I'm sure it uh, huge, huge broke money. records. Yeah. So once the Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige got out from under the aegis of Perlmutter, they started to blossom a bit more. So you're going to see a little bit a residue of some of those earlier creative decisions in this movie. And then the next MC movie, Dr. Strange. And then by the time we get to guardians two, it's going to really start to give them a bit more freedom. But yeah, that's, that's the backstory of civil war. That was almost as long as the movie. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) So we've got a lot of characters in this. How about our new characters? We get black Panther. Do get black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Chad it was a good reveal at, in in Vienna when they kind of do like a, a sharp like zoom in on him. Like you're like, oh, this is like this this guy's gonna kick ass later. You could tell. I'd forgotten that he was that Black Panther played a prominent role in this movie because I had remembered as I was Wait, watching how this. Can you how can you forget something if you only saw the first ten minutes? Oh, just from yeah. uh, trailers. I remember the trailers for this movie. Oh, okay. Well, I was watching that scene in the UN, and I was like, oh, T'Challa is here. So he's just going to be on for like a minute, right? This is just a tease for the Black Panther (laughs) movie. And then his dad died, and I was like, oh, I guess we're in for more of this, which was good. I actually had a small, a very brief moment where I was like, wait a second. I didn't miss an episode in the March, did I? I thought the same thing, Paul. (laughs) I I really did. Because especially when Ant-Man showed up, I was like, have we watched Ant-Man already? (laughs) (laughs) What? I I had a moment in time where I was like, there's so many characters. I was just like, what is going on? At a certain point, yeah, it's like, what would how, when did these all come out and then it was like andrew but, garfield's not spider-man yeah where's my spider-man yeah not yeah. my spider-man <laughs> uh, tom <laughs> holland yeah and yeah, aunt not... may is now hot oh my god yeah aristoma yeah. is still got it holy crap yeah but i mean they call attention to that and tony stark calls attention to that at least so that's like five times <laughs> yeah <laughs> Really plays up the ant angle. <laughs> I was like, if that's what the ant looks like, what's the uncle look like? <laughs> Probably and then someone said, spoiler alert. <laughs> Hot Uncle Ben. <laughs> uh, Do we you're, see? Just, you're just going to get rice recipes, bro. <laughs> hey, Adam. Uh, do we Save see Uncle Ben and Spider-Man Homecoming? Uh, that is coming up, but spoiler alert, no, we don't. Ah! <laughs> Dang. You know what? Get to see Uncle Ben die? No. Uh, this is the first time I've seen Tom Holland as Spider-Man in anything. Oh, what? I, monster. Yeah. You haven't seen any of the other Marvel movies? Like, uh, like Spider-Man Homecoming or nope. Avengers Infinite Warfare? Nope. I've seen Black Panther and Captain Marvel, so the two that he isn't in. <laughs> what do y'all think of Spider-Man? 
Tom Holland as Spider-Man. No, just Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I mean, I had had some Spider-Man recasting fatigue at this point, so I wasn't particularly interested. Really? Yeah. I was just saying when you watch you watched it the most recent time, you were you you were over the recasting. No, just when it happened, I was like, I don't need another Spider-Man. I just got used to Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. Like I finally accepted him as my Spider-Man, and then they bring this child in to the mix. But I shouldn't have worried. I liked him. I like this version of Spider-Man. He's good. Yeah, I like that they made him more obviously a teenager in this, at least. Because one thing about the other Spider-Man, both of them, is that even though he's ostensibly a teenager at the beginning, it often feels like they're what they are in their 20s. It's it's more of like a 90s 90s uh, high school TV show teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I actually thought his like interactions were funnier like than some of the previous iterations like it seemed like there were there was better like almost like improv with the character and it seemed a little more authentic for me i, I don't yeah. know if anyone else yeah, I, can, I can definitely no, see i agree that. with that i as much as i'm like a blind loyalist to my uh you know my, the raimi trilogy i will concede that uh He's a good Spider-Man. There was there was good scenes in that. Good, he's got, good banter. Yeah, a lot of good like one-liners and things like that. You know, and yeah. interacting with the different Avengers when they have the the big fight scene. It just he he created a lot of like great action moments, but then a lot of good comic relief. And I thought I thought he added value. Uh, I I do think he was a really real bright spot in that like in that tarmac fight scene. The yeah. airport fight. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it led. Like even when he was off screen, like the the actions he did led to some like funny interactions between other people, like kind of like being like, "Who the hell is this kid?" You know, <laughs> 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 which, you know, like which they're just saying what I was thinking in my like grumpy old man way. Yeah, inside, like who invited this guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like they're losing to it like a teenager. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that this version of spider-man at least in this movie um i think handles that sort of banter quip balance a lot better than the previous two spider-man iterations did yeah and i think because tom holland is sort of playing it as i'm babbling a bit because i'm nervous because i know who these all these guys are but i'm also gonna nerd out at points because i'm a nerd like i think that just that lands really well i like that they showed his uh homemade spider-man costume And uh, I do question how Tony Stark managed to produce a uh, cool Spider-Man costume for him in, uh, you know, just basically overnight. Seems uh, seems a little bit questionable. He he already made it. He was. was That's that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Was was he already planning to groom this uh, young spider person? I do. Might have been likely. I do have a question, though, for for the group. Did anybody else have a lot of anxiety when Tony Stark is in Spider-Man's room and like just like going through all of his stuff? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I felt like I was in high school again and like my parents are like, let's go into your room and look under your bed and in like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like all the places you could hide stuff. <laughs> I did not like that. I, I mean, not I didn't like it like in the sense like I, I hated the movie, but it just like it made me feel like anxious for the character. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> No I was just, just me. I, I was just worried that uh, Aunt May was going to find out 
uh, you know, like what if she's listening at the door? Right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not being too subtle about the whole Spider-Man thing. I really thought like there were going to be like condoms that he found, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it just felt like that it was going like that route. So yeah, we've got black Panther. We've got Spider-Man. Uh, we also have uh, Martin Freeman doing his best American accent <laughs> as Everett Ross, a uh, character I didn't really expect to see in subsequent movies, but who is in Black Panther? Mm. He's the token white guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I was like, is that his first like appearance? in this is his first appearance okay because i was this that's another situation where i'm like okay wait a second did i miss something oh no i just forgot that he shows up for a little bit here first (laughs) and we had uh daniel brule as uh helmet zemo the non-tony stark villain of the piece wait i thought bucky barnes was the villain Mm. he's the mom killer and the dad killer the mom killer oh that mom (laughs) Is that just too many moms? Suicidal. Uh, Wait, too many moms? Suicidal. What other moms are in this yeah. movie? Well, his wife. I was going to say Marissa Tomei, but then I forgot she's Ant. Yeah, it, this movie's more more about ants. And Ant Man. All about the ants. Yeah, yeah there's Ant Man. There's Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Uh, I feel like there's another ant in there somewhere. But. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, the extras. Peggy Carter, you know. Oh yeah, wasn't she uh, Sharon oh. Carter's aunt? Really? Yes. Okay. See? Yeah, it's all about the ants. But how do people feel about Zemo? Honestly, when I think about the movie, I'm like, I feel like I barely like thought about him. I mean, played an important plot role, but to me, it's like it, the movie is so much more about the the interaction between the Avengers and the Civil War aspect of it that like Zemo almost just feels like a device to me. Yeah, he orchestrates it. Yeah, but it's like I don't I guess I didn't feel very like invested in his story, you know. So one of the things I appreciate about his character is that unlike just about the rest of the villains we've seen in the MCU so far, his motivation isn't power or failed procurement process. (laughs) (laughs) It's bureaucracy. It's always getting in my way. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just very simple, straightforward revenge. But it's like a cold, calculated revenge. And I think I appreciate that because it's quite different from the other movies we've gotten. I, I agree with that. I, I felt the same way that like when he had the, the part where he's explaining, I think it was to, to Black Panther about yeah. how he doesn't possess the skills in order to like defeat them. So why not pit them against each other? I thought that was really a nice creative way of, of, a, of a different approach for a villain. But I also kind of agree with Paul in that when I kind of think overall of the movie, like afterwards, I really just think of I think they did a good job of actually selling the fact that it was like a civil war between the Avengers. Like, I'm I'm actually not even sure why it why it's called Captain America. Like, I know that he's kind of like the main like the thrust and like you get him at the end. But it seems more like an Avengers movie to me than it does. Yeah, it was unofficially called Avengers 2.5 by gotcha. like, the Internet. <laughs> I don't know how much the production team <laughs> did that, but. Right. That was, yeah, the joke for a long time was this is Avengers 2.5 Civil War. 
Yeah, but I mean, but getting back to your point is that I really did feel like, yeah, like it was it was a creative way of uh, of, of having kind of like almost a new villain, um, and it wasn't just like the same old, same old. But I also like that he doesn't die at the end. Yeah, that was interesting that that the Black Panther actually stopped the suicide. Yeah, having him commit suicide in the first place is kind of interesting. Because he gets to this point where he's like, I did it. They're at each other's throats. I have nothing left to live for. And so he's going to kill himself. And then I like that. Yeah, that Black Panther stops him from doing that by putting his hand over the the muzzle, I think. Right. Yeah. So basically stopping the bullet. Vibranium, man. Well, yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. So I think I think you you guys uh, make some very good points that, yeah, his his uh influence in the movie is kind of subtle compared to the overt i guess violence of uh, all the superheroes although to be fair you know explosions aren't really that subtle but he pinned them successfully on others but i guess i was just a little disappointed that they they took the the baron zemo character from the comics and uh just kind of made him very generic. In the comics, the the backstory is essentially that Zemo is uh, this crazy guy who believes himself to be superior to everybody else and very much uh, uh, an odd, shouty <laughs> Captain America villain. I don't know. It just it just felt like okay, he's uh, he's basically Sokovian equivalent of uh, a CIA guy and. Uh, his family dies during the Age of Ultron events, and so he's really upset about that and wants his revenge. And it's just like there's no it's it's so just two dimensional. And I want uh, a more colorful two dimensional character, I guess. <laughs> I can understand if you were a fan of the comic Baron Zemo that yeah, this is potentially fairly disappointing. But this guy doesn't I, have the drip that Baron Zemo from the comics has. Come on. The drip? You're going to need to hit me to this lingo because I've seen it on Twitter, but I don't know what it means. Uh, essentially fashion sense. Oh, okay. Oh, well, uh, good news because there's a Disney Plus series coming out, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Daniel Brule will be back as Zemo, and he Is will... Is he going to have the mask and yes. the... The crown thing? Yes. He's going to be played by Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. You know what? I I might need to get Disney Plus at that point. Uh, What I was saying before got sidetracked by Drip is that, again, I think because so many of the MCU villains up to this point have been pretty large and ranty and stuff, that having someone who's playing it much more controlled and small, I think, works well as a contrast. So although it's not a great adaptation of comic Zemo, I think for this movie, it's the Zemo that I think this Zemo works well for this movie. So I like this character, too. I like that his motivation was consistent with the rest of the theme of the movie. But what kind of struck me is like, I was like, oh, who is this guy? Like, what's his motivation? What's going to happen? And then we get to the end. and He's like, I orchestrated this whole thing. Wasn't I so clever? And this intricate plot and i'm like how did any of that like work it almost seems like 
there was just like too much involved for that all to have like happened so perfectly. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to pretend to be Bucky Barnes and then I'm going to set up this terrorist plot and then I'm going to lead them all here after I found out this information about the specific mission where Tony Stark's parents got killed. But did he know that ahead of time? Was he just trying to get the footage or did he not know it? And it was just a coincidence. It was the exact thing he needed. He he had to have known something probably related to the the other super soldiers i agree with charlie on the the footage of the death of tony stark's parents that did kind of take me out of it i like the character i i thought it was just a strange roundabout way of getting everybody to fight though yeah i agree well because it's like inception charlie you can't know that you someone put the idea in your head to hate someone. <laughs> you have to come up with it on your own. That actually does create more hate. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah. The only thing related to that that really bothered me was that at the end I was like, well, how would he know that Iron Man would also would show up at the bunker? Right. Yeah. Like oh, everything yeah. else more or less made sense to me if you believed along the lines that he was a super strategist and had studied like the psychology of them so he would know how they would react and this was the best way to get the pieces in that position. But for me it was like, okay, but the iron the Iron Man appearance, like that would be the one thing I don't know if I would expect. Unless well Oh maybe... no, wait. No, wait, I just realized. No, that makes sense because he specifically called the hotel to order breakfast while he wasn't there so that they would find the body so that this news would get disseminated and sent to Tony so that Tony would also go to the bunker. That's the point of that. I literally real time just figured that out. All right. No, perfect movie. Charlie's on. <laughs> 69 out of 10. A Rube Goldberg device. 420 <laughs> It all comes together. And then the umbrella fell down and hit the hit the marble that fell down the slide. <laughs> <laughs> that, that well, I mean, you need to bring Bucky out of hiding. Yeah, yeah. You need to do it in a way that is quick for this plan to work. You then also need to arrange it so that he's present when Cap is there and when Tony is there to see the footage so that they can have the reactions that they have. Cause if like, if it's just Steve and Tony, they might not be punching each other. If it's Tony and winter soldier, then, you know, they'll just one will die or something like that, which I guess is the point, but it won't necessarily split the Avengers because captain America won't have to admit that Bucky told them about it. So I don't know. That's a way of saying that, uh, I didn't mind it. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> oh. i don't know <laughs> what the <laughs> what where did that come from well he's just being combative you know just it's don't reference war. the reference the faqs <laughs> and, 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 the five like, faqs as i like to call them yeah adam is really mm-hmm. doubling down on the whole civil war premise so that's it, right it, it makes sense for the hosts to to argue and and scream obscenities to each other watching this I really love the Scarlet Witch, like how powerful she actually is. And I was wondering if anybody like 
Like it seems like she's like one of the <laughs> most powerful in the universe. Um, it, it it like occurred to me during some of these fights where I'm like, she's kind of game breakingly like powerful, yeah. and it's a little <laughs> bit like, well, why didn't she just like end this whole fight a second ago? Like, no, no, no. You, you just she's a little Paul and Dalek Risk saying, "Are you sure you want me to play this card? Because I think I'm gonna break <laughs> <Yeah>. the game." <laughs> yeah. But Vision is also kind of game breaking himself though or themselves i and yeah, he definitely broke war machine Ooh. oh geez well he was distracted yeah. he was distracted it it he doesn't was. count i mean it counts for <laughs> for him for war machine because he's you know going through therapy but aside <laughs> it looks it, it just seems at least from what they show on the screen that maybe her drawback is that she has to concentrate yeah like can only yes. do concentrate on one person at a time or deal with one person yeah like one yeah. thing yeah i i don't she know but, limitations for sure but like watching so like the, the last couple times that she's like been on screen i've really enjoyed i don't know maybe i'm just i i really love a, a game breaking character but i can also see why maybe some people wouldn't because uh she is kind of like paul and a game breaker mm-hmm. and i and i you know i'm i'm pro registration as we all know <laughs> <laughs> register my cars register my dog <laughs> gotta get registered yeah. register all the items that have a card inside that tell me to do it <laughs> yep register to vote every year I, re- I registered my humidifier <laughs> I hear he ran for county register <laughs> yep. yep there you go uh, I liked big ant man Oh, giant. I, giant. Giant okay. man. Oh, not big ant. <laughs> so it's Jai, it's G.I. Ant-Man. Oh. Wait a second. Yeah. He's... Why did I never put that together until just now? Because it's not a thing and it's stupid. Gastrointestinal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it may be stupid, but it is officially now a thing. <laughs> Adam just tweeted it. <laughs> yeah, Giant Man's great. Paul Red's great. Oh yeah, he's he's I, he is a national treasure. He he, he is, is America's sweetheart. And one of my one of my favorite things is like how starstruck he is when he first meets Captain America, <laughs> yeah. and like like he puts his hands on him. He's like, wow, like here's just you're really Captain America. Still, yeah, I like that he continues to call him Captain America. Like you know, yeah, even, even well through throughout the movie. That's just. I love that. It feels like when I when I'm like calling my friends' parents, you know, when I'm like, "Hello, Mister Erickson," and I'm like thirty some years old, and they told me I could call them by their first name, but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I uh, I will say it was nice seeing that Ant Man had like control over his powers. You know, like mm-hmm. you didn't see the fumbling nature of it. Like it was like, I'm going to go big now. <laughs> yeah. And like nothing bad happened. I mean, he he did uh, grab a fuel truck that he thought was a water truck. Though, oh, so yeah. It wasn't that, perfect. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. He, you can't bet a thousand. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, at man, least he I didn't go like water quantum. <laughs> That's true. You know, I always kind of wondered about this, like, when he's big, I kept thinking about, like, okay, he's moving slow, and all giants move slow in movies, but does he have to? Like, is this a physical I necessity? I thought that, too. I think that all the time. 
<laughs> like, imagine a fast giant. Yeah, right? Turn like you think so, that all the time. <laughs> so you just laying uh, in bed. You're like, why do giant people move slow? Move slow. I was trying to envision what the movie would look like with a normal speed giant because giant. everyone's moving really fast in these action scenes. Like he's cut down to at least like what quarter speed at the fastest. But Maybe. Paul, that shows so, you how so, that shows you how giant he is. That's the scale. But what? Sarah, <laughs> wake up! I got so, to run something past. Doug is trying to say something. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tony. So he's really big, right? So. He looks like he's moving slowly, proportionate to his size, right? But on scaled like linearly. No, 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 no. On on an absolute scale, he is actually moving pretty quickly, right? Like people are having a dodge to avoid being crushed under his feet. You know, it's kind of like a windmill, I think, where it looks like it's moving you know, slowly, like it's turning slowly. But then when you look at the tips and consider how quickly those are moving, I'm basically saying that if he were to tr- to be moving faster, he would be producing sonic booms with every punch. And be we have cool. no reason to believe that he's that strong. Again, I don't know. Yeah, he's probably feel, brushing up against the speed of sound there. I feel like we do have reason to believe that no matter what size he is, he retains his properties given what he can do at miniature size. Well, wouldn't that's that imply true. that he's going to be proportionally weak? Actually, he, he's a giant true. guy with the strength like, of a small man. Yeah. He's not crazy, crazy fast when he's tiny, though. You know. I feel like we should just we should maybe table this discussion for 10 movies. This is okay. <laughs> this is the only conversation I wanted to make sure to have about this movie. <laughs> Was him moving slow? Yeah. Adam and 10 right, movies. Well, we do we have, have Ant-Man and the Wasp? We do. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just really want to talk about it during Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Doug. By the time we get to Ant-Man and the Wasp, I will I will have done the physics work required. Okay, thank good. you. Just thank like you. Uh, Daredevil. There's some pretty. I feel like at the very least, there's pretty unbelievable assumption. Uh, a happy medium. <laughs> so one of the things that I really like about this movie is that it feels to me that this movie, in a way that the other MCU movies aren't really, that it feels like this movie really addresses like the repercussions of previous movies, the actions that have happened there that we typically kind of, or maybe it's just me, but I've just kind of brushed aside as like, Oh, comic book movie. Yeah. An entire city collapsed on this country, but you know, so what I really like that this movie feels like it's about something thematically in the way that some of the other ones don't like some of the other movies just feel like, Oh, we're having a good time. It's an action movie. And but this isn't to say that, you know, none of the of movies have thematic things, but this one, I guess I, it was a little more clear to me what the theme of the movie was and how each character kind of progressed through their own journey regarding that theme. And I really liked that. Uh, I did, too, especially as far as the revenge and the collateral damage stuff. The thing that is kind of a little weird about it to me, though, is that now it's always a complaint with yeah, you. Now we're kind of expected to put the genie back in the bottle, right? And just move on. It's like, oh, think of all the people that they're constantly killing. 
as collateral damage. Uh, but we're only going to think about that this movie, unless maybe I'm wrong. Maybe <laughs> future movies. Have you? But you haven't seen the other movies, right? That's true. So you don't know that that's the case. I. Why don't you just tell us if it's the case, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Phase four is just the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> I, I was going to defend Adam <laughs> and say that, honestly, I, I'm i glad that this movie happened because I didn't take inventory on the other movies of being like, oh, how did it affect like the people that were just the innocent bystanders, essentially? You know, like I thought it, it I thought that this movie kind of uh, talked about a, a specific, you know, like topic that you don't necessarily that, that people wouldn't have thought of previously so I, I really enjoyed that they kind of like brought some light to that i mean i guess the only other thing i might say to that is that it's specifically the actions in age of ultron like that whole movie just top to bottom is basically the avengers screwed up whereas in like the other movies there's frequently a sense of this would happen if we weren't here. We're limiting the damage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like in age of Ultron, I mean that city like levitates and they do everything to evacuate everyone from the city. But as that comes back to earth, I guess I don't, you don't really think of like what's going to happen when that mass hits the earth. Well, one of us thought yeah. very deeply yeah. about that. <laughs> As I recall. The answer was, it'll be probably a, pretty decent earthquake but they'll get over it <laughs> but i think i think but i still gave it an 8.5 so i liked it i think having this come pretty close on the heels of age of ultron where it's pretty clearly the avengers screwed up and then having this be in many ways the fallout of a large part of that i think that that works pretty thematically yeah and if it ends up being the case that no other movie addresses this uh I think it's probably also worth saying that no other movie uh, is di- the 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 Avengers aren't directly responsible for the events of any other movie in quite the same way. Okay. In other words, if you're in other words, if you're going to have a movie like this, this is the time to have it. Yeah. Do you think it it builds on some of the characters though? Like like they're like maybe it's empathy, but you know what I mean. Like it allows them to move that character in a different way where like they actually think about their actions that they're doing later on. So you're asking if the, the events of this movie affect characters later on. Yeah. Like, like, like do you think, do, do you believe that this movie changes the way that like Iron Man might go attack? If, 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 if there was another age of Ultron like event that he may do it differently. Um, that's genuinely a good question. I I think what I want to do with that question, unless someone else really wants to tackle it, but I think what I want to kind of do is put that in the, the magic box over here, which is to say this is a question that we should remember and then yeah, bring I, up for subsequent MCU movies. I think this might, per, in particular, be a question worth analyzing when it comes to tony stark's relationship with peter parker in the spider-man movies oh okay fair enough i, so. I haven't seen either and of i haven't those, seen those. so i'm extra excited now same yeah no same so. here we do get like a little 
here where he's very concerned about Peter Parker after the fight and tells him to go home in a way that yes. maybe he it feels like he might not have done a few movies ago. Yeah, it like almost feels that's roping this teenager into hurting himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, cause yeah, like it, it got too too big or something. Like, oh, this got real. It, like it, really real. It mm. feels like he's almost it's it's a fatherly figure, you know, where he's trying to protect Spider-Man, you know, yeah. where he almost feels as like a need to you know, when it's when it's absolutely dire to call it off and be like you're not you're not going to do this, you know, like you're a good guy. I'm not. You need to stay away. I'll I'll handle this. But he also couldn't help himself from inviting Peter to begin with. So it's kind of a oh, conflict that he's yeah. got with himself <laughs> where he's like, oh, I really want this kid there. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Well, I think he sees a little bit of himself in Peter Parker. Oh, right? sure. Like where, you know, yeah. so he wants to it's it's like he's passing the torch to him and he knows like i need to make sure this person survives yeah like he so feels, that my legacy survives like he feels a great responsibility towards peter yeah very much so yeah anyone want to add anything else to this discussion for all the changes that they uh made compared to the comic book version i do like that uh they uh kept the way in which it all kicks off which is Supervillain blows himself up, taking a whole bunch of civilians with him, and uh, that's what gets everybody upset uh, about the uh, superheroes. That's true. It was kind of disappointing me that they just brought up Crossbones after they kind of developed him in the previous Captain America movie, and then blew him up in like the first ten minutes of this. I was a little like, I wanted more Crossbones. Just me. Oh well. Well, they didn't even tell us <laughs> his name, trying, so sorry, Adam. I just, yeah, could have used yeah. more of that. It's all right. <laughs> I mean, so we guess we've been talking about like how characters have changed and stuff and whether that's going to carry on. But I, I do like that Black Panther in many ways sort of ends up being like the moral core of the story where he's, I mean, he has the speech where he makes it explicit at the end, right? Where he's just like, basically like revenge isn't going to get me anywhere. Like I've seen what it's doing to these people. I've seen what it's done to you and I'm not going to have a part of it anymore. Like, I really like that. And what it's done to himself. Right. You know, he became fixated. Yeah, yeah so I think that's handled pretty well, too. So, you know, I, I talked about how the, the Scarlet Witch is, like, one of my favorites. But I also think, like, Black Widow is a, a close second. Because she's such a badass. I mean, just the, the hand-to-hand combat and, like, having really no other power is just so empowering for for her character i i yeah. really enjoy watching those those scenes especially when she's fighting with hawkeye uh and they they have that little moment where it's like is there where she's like we're still friends right yeah 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 we're still friends and he's like it depends on how hard you hit me like i i, I truly enjoyed that like moment because like uh, it's banter. funny that it's funny that you have a civil war where they're 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 pitted against each other, but then you have these like these brief moments where you have literal friends <laughs> like fighting each other and going, "This is this is bullshit." Like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> it is interesting because yeah, Hawkeye and Black Widow are both kind of the their powers are on like a slightly different scale from everyone else they do kind of what would be seen as more normal combat <laughs> i love hawkeye which is I, like great i think <laughs> i think hawkeye is one of the funniest characters that doesn't try to be funny at all like <laughs> 
Like it is just he is just a fantastic character because he's just freaking Joe the plumber. Just things happen and he just has to go with it and he has like one ability. Yeah, agreed. So real quick, moments that you really enjoyed in the movie we haven't talked about yet. I liked Anthony Mackey in this movie in particular because I think they have a good sense of how to use Falcon here. Like it's clear that he's like support. Like, oh, there's a guy on the roof, go get him, or like he's using Red Wing <laughs> to like take out people. I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit clear why he was there and what he was doing. Is it even in Age of Ultron? I'm trying to think. All I can all I can think about is the Ant Man scene with him. Yeah. And how they refer reference that, which was fun. Speaking of Falcon, I did I don't know. I thought like for some reason I feel like I know like the action scenes were like gripped me a lot in this movie. I don't know. I just thought they were really tight action scenes. And I remember a lot of cool moments in that, in like kind of the, the scene where captain is going to like save Bucky basically. And that's where Falcon plays kind of a big role. Like I thought that was cool. And then that's where uh black Panther shows up too. Like there's, I thought that scene in general was a cool scene. Because you don't really see, we hadn't really seen a lot of just like normal Bucky Barnes for a while until that scene where it's like you can tell he's not trying to kill those guys. And, you know, he punches through the floor and grabs his bag and throws it on the building and leaps over there. I just really enjoyed that scene. A couple scenes I really like. Um, I really enjoy Falcon and Bucky in the BW Beetle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I really like both those, like, quick little interactions where he's like, can you move the seat? And then the way they're just, like, smiling at Cap after he's kissed Sharon Carter. Yeah. Like, I really like that. You can also do the one where they get um, stuck by Spider-Man. And oh, Falcon yeah. says, like, like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have done that sooner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I really like... In the fight between Cap and Iron Man in the bunker at the end, when he knocks him down and then Cap gets back up and says, I could do this all day, like the way he did in the first Captain America movie. I thought that was a nice callback. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the important question we have to ask is, what side are you on? Well, Helmet oh. Zemo. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, just, I, I wanted to... Just as another, hey, I really like this. Um, I enjoyed how uh, when uh, Captain America and Bucky make their way to where the super soldiers are, Zemo already murked them. Yeah, little bullet holes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the other things that I like about this movie, though, related to Charlie's question, is that I feel like both sides get reasonable arguments. I agree. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's not like one of those movies where it's like, oh, well, you're an idiot. Why on earth would you ever believe this insane thing? And and it, it's not like as straightforward as sure? And, you know, like, because well, in terms of like the arguments for kind of reigning in superheroes, you know, because it's some some of these things are like, yeah, you made up a technology to make yourself really powerful versus just being a human like or being a mutant or something. The one, the one scene that I was that I was gonna bring up that kind of goes off of like what side are you on, where I feel like they try like the the writers and and maybe the producers of the film try to kind of sway you, is uh, is Peggy Carter's funeral where you get to see Captain America in a very vulnerable place 
and you're just trying to like like they're trying to get you to like kind of like be on his side and like watch him through this moment and i, I don't know i i, I kind of like that that part maybe That's i'm completely certainly true off. but it but it also comes after the scene where Alfred Woodard's character in the basement confronts Tony Stark about her son, which feels like it's kind of meant to do the same thing for Tony, put him in this vulnerable position where he's confronted with I, the you know, I damage I that, that superheroes cause. So I actually think, well, but that's kind of what I mean, right? <laughs> is like, it's balanced pretty well. And like, yeah, there's no like very clear, Oh, you ha- of course you're Team Cap. Only an idiot would be Team Iron Man or something like that. Right. You know? Wait, are you so, sure? Are you sure? What's what's the pro Iron Man argument here? Gun control. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I made a suit that can destroy all kinds of shit. I don't think that should be regulated. So it's basically <laughs> I did it because the- I could. Why would you do that? I'm doing good things. It's my power to do that. Exactly. Yeah, I I know I, I like where you're what you're saying, Paul. Now, if you're born with a power that you can't help but have, no, you shouldn't be tracked as a danger to society. I mean, wait, that, even though you're a danger I, I, to society, because you're but you're a person, you know, like that's just an in that's just incidental to you being a person. Yeah, but I'd say the nature of your power is incidental to the body count. But what if you have never done anything wrong? That's what criminal court is for. Your uh, potential Look, the, for damage doesn't influence... Uh, I, I don't think you should give so much weight my, to the minority report here. That is a flawless movie. Look, the, the other two said it was a danger, said there was crime going to happen. We, we got to go with them. That sounds like someone who watched Minority Report until they put the halo on John Anderton and was like, oh, movie's done, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I don't need to see anymore. It's just wrap up. <laughs> they got him, right? <laughs> yeah, they got him. Bad guy, let's all go home. Red ball, <laughs> open and shut case. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's set up pretty well to be able to see both sides. I mean, Cap has... He's has a history already of not of just distrusting government. Like he's not really a super patriotic guy at all anymore. And uh wait, wait, yeah, wait, 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 what? No, he he's like the first he, thing he says he when he wakes patriotic. up. He's patriotic. He's just not jingoistic. Sure. That's probably a fair assessment. Okay. Sure. But yeah, after the events of Winter Soldier, yeah. Whereas Tony's pretty much completely to blame for Age of Ultron. Yeah. But I think it's also interesting how they frame the two sides in terms of their previous experiences. Like, it makes sense for Cap to be mistrustful of the government stuff because of the things he experienced in, like, Winter Soldier. Honestly, maybe even during World War II and stuff as well. Right? About, like, yeah, governments have agendas. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I'm sure it was great and it when makes... they explained to him how uh, the war in the Pacific ended. And, uh, like, Tony's position makes sense coming from someone who just who like you said was basically responsible for age of ultron and was like yeah i need someone to rein me in basically i don't know that i can be trusted and that also ties in with this thing right about how like he and pepper are on a break they're on a break because uh he doesn't want to stop building iron man suits because he can't stop himself like it ties in that as well I forgot about the break. Yeah. Cause she's not in this movie at all. At right? all. Yeah. That, that's right. just, that's always a little bit, uh, 
suspect. But she will show up later on, so yeah. not okay. quite sure what's going she just, on there. They just, we just, they just missed the boat. She just couldn't. They she comes couldn't back come to an agreement for this Paul, movie, but Paul, she comes back in Venom, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Venom's when we're talking does. about all that other stuff, right? All exactly. Right, we'll yes. right. <laughs> write this down, Venom. It's, it's like really that... the linchpin of the Marvel movies. I like I like that Venom is the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Captain America is in the right. Helmet Zemo is also in the right if you uh, leave out all of the people that he killed, King T'Chaka, and you know all the various civilians, the psychiatrist guy, etc. Although, although, totally fine with him killing those super soldiers. Well, they were Hydra. Exactly. So you're Team Cap. Yep. And uh, I think if you're uh, if you're Team Stark, then uh, you're you're clearly evil. All right. No moral ambiguity for Doug. Anyone else? Team Stark is clearly evil. Team Zemo is ambiguously evil. Chaotic neutral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I've I think I've made my view clear on it and that there is a middle way and that there's a difference yeah, between Black devices Panther. and people. And uh I mean this is more talking about the comic thing and the whole registration deal. So yeah. you're okay with Hawkeye. So so Scarlet Witch, who's a person, you're okay with, even though she's the one who killed all those people at the beginning. We've sorry to establish. She didn't. Really. Paul is okay with registering all sorts of devices. That's yes. fine. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say here. Oh, oh. Not but not people. Okay. No. I got you. You, you judge people based on their actions and their intentions not on the potential for harm that they possess just by virtue of being themselves i think that's pretty open and shot right there thank you Paul. yeah that's fine <laughs> so ultimately what do you think of this movie would you let it run free to do the things that it thinks is best or would you force it to register and answer to a higher power i guess i'm asking how many signatures on the sokovia accords would you give this movie So my feelings at the time regarding this movie was that I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I thought that of the two superhero grudge match movies that came out in 2016, the other being Batman vs. Superman, uh, this was the the far superior movie. Uh, I still think that, probably. (laughs) 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 Um, But I like, yeah, I like the characters that are introduced. I like the way they're shown. I like the characters that are reintroduced. I think that's all handled pretty well. Uh, I like that it has a thematic quality to it, that it's actually trying to say something beyond just, we're a fun action movie. And I like that theme of consequences and repercussions and revenge and letting go and all that stuff. I think that's all nicely handled. It is a little long. I We haven't, we kind of talked about that, but yeah, it does get a little slow at times. I don't, know that there's anything i'd really cut but it just yeah it feels a little long um so just kind of looking at my other ratings i'm kind of between eight and 8.5 and i think i'm gonna give this an eight i'm gonna sign the document eight times there's eight pages that i need to sign on this sokovia chords and i think that's basically because i have ant-man 8.5 and i think i like ant-man a little better but it's like a high eight 
It's only missing uh, Cap Signature and uh, mm, Falcons, I guess. Um, I've thought it over, and I've decided that this movie is an 8 out of 10. It It's too long. They There's got to be some stuff in there that uh, they could have cut. You know, like the, the airport scene probably could have cut a few minutes out of that, if nothing else. Like, stuff just goes just too long too much stuff it would have been a 7.5 but uh i had a better appreciation of baron z well i guess he's not baron of helmet zemo's evil plan this time around you know i was like oh this this all kind of came together very nicely for him good job in that regard eight out of ten signatures uh signed an octuplicate i i agree with doug um after I initially watched this, I was like seven, seven point five. But after discussing, I, I do feel like I, I have a better appreciation for maybe the writing and maybe some of the character development and just kind of where this storyline is going. And knowing that it's the first of phase three of the MCU kind of storyline. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this an 8.5, um, same as Age of Ultron. After discussing it, I really do enjoy a lot of the characters and, and some of the, the, the new characters that we, we see in this movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. I do think it does run a little long, especially in the beginning where I, I, I kind of felt myself being a little bored. But as I kind of got into it, I like a lot of Avengers movies where it's like it feels like the beginnings are slow and then the endings like you have a lot of action and whatnot that kind of gets you back in. So. 8.5 for me. So what's the half signature? The fact that um, it's on pace with Age of Ultron for me. No, no. You know, like how we're, we describe what the halves are in terms of the thing. What's half a signature? Do you know what I'm... I'm not saying justify your 8.5. It's, it's, I'm it's saying, just initialed. It's not yeah, signed. Like it's just about initial. That's all I was trying to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone did. It's. I think it's actually died in signature. I'm just kidding. Unfortunately. Well, I, I think that I put it 8.5 because I don't. Tony, feel I'm like... not asking you to justify no, he, the 8.5. He, he literally wants you to explain. If, oh. if you have eight signatures, what's the half a signature? Just How do you flavor, get half a signature? Flavor text. So I think that because I have 8.5. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the reason that I didn't go up to nine or down to eight. <laughs> well, let's start from the beginning here. Hold on. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition. So going back to Howard the Duck, I would yeah. say <laughs> the all the action sequences I thought were really well done. Sometimes I have a tendency to zone out during the action sequences. But I, I just thought they were all, like, I don't know, really creatively done. A lot of cool characters. Definitely an Avengers 2.5 kind of movie. I don't want to cluster too close together with everyone else. But because I boxed myself in with Winter Soldier at 9, I just I don't think I liked it as much as Winter Soldier. So I'm going to have to go 8.5. But I just I generally really liked it. It handled all these themes we talked about that I, I wasn't even necessarily thinking of all of these while we were watching it, but I just thought it was really well done and 
it held my attention despite being so long. Like I really felt that there's like some slower points, but I didn't really think there were any like pointless scenes. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give this eight and a half signatures out of uh, 10. So I think the things I like and the things I dislike about this movie are opposite sides of the same coin. I'd like the interplay between Tony Stark and Cap and their motivations. I like, you know, the stuff between Spider-Man and Tony Stark, the things that are actually fleshed out a little bit more. The things that I don't like are just there's so many characters in this, which there's a reason for it, right? They all have to fight, but you get all these sort of like medium amounts of time to everybody else. It's like everybody's got to get some screen time and like have a lot of good ideas for what their motivations are, but none of it actually like has time to develop into anything. But the other thing that I liked was Ant-Man, where they just did the complete opposite, which is he just shows up in a van. <laughs> like, here's Ant-Man, right? So what they should have done in order to cut down the runtime is just not given story to a lot of the characters in the middle, I think, and just maybe picked a few and concentrated a little bit more on them. So yeah, it just dragged on, but you know, the parts, the, there were those other par- highlights that I really liked. So I'm going to have to give this a seven and a half signatures out of 10. I can't give it a seven because that's what I gave Age of Ultron. It was certainly better than that. That's it. You just trailed off. Sorry, I'll put a period at the end of it. I gave Age of Ultron a seven and it's certainly better than that. So it's on par with Iron Man 3 or the Blade movies. Yeah. This is the Iron Man 3 in both number and spirit of the Captain America series. It's as good as Kingsman 1. Yes. A nope. movie that no one knows how you feel about. <laughs> it's 7.5. That's what we know. That's what we can say for sure. Until I re-rate he it was, at right. some point in the this future. Is why, this is why so many reviewers You're never have abandoned you always number that ratings. You don't. <laughs> yeah, in some ways the rating is kind of... The number thing feels a bit arbitrary. But I think it helps. I like it because it kind of helps focus where it fits in relation to the other movies you can kind of judge it based on around that i i do like being forced to actually stack it up against my entire record i don't think i would do that if i was just saying what i thought about the movie yeah or giving it a thumbs up thumbs down because some days you're just in a bad mood it's just very difficult (laughs) yeah exactly and you feel salty and you're like i'm gonna give this a five and i'm like oh i can't give it a five Or sometimes you just, you know, you had one too many drinks and you were like, you know, maybe Man-Thing wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) What? Monster. (laughs) So before we finish, uh, I did want to talk about one other thing and we're out of time. So we can't discuss it to the degree I wanted to discuss it. But I did want to mention that you can't really talk about Civil War without talking about the Marvel short film Team Thor, which details what Thor was doing during the events of Civil War. Uh, It's directed by Taika Waititi, and uh, we will put a link to it in the blog. And uh, it's great. I would give that 69,420 out of 10. But for real, like if you haven't seen Team this Team Thor film, it's so good. I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. I'll give it a watch. So we're out of time for that. So instead, we'll just say thank you to everyone for joining us on installment 53 of the Mary Marvel Movie March here at the start of Mary Marvel Movie March Madness 2021. 
We're going to jump forward for our next movie, like two and a half weeks. And Charlie mentioned in his review for this that there were a lot of characters and that he loved that. And so that's why he's going to absolutely adore the next movie. It's the late May 2016 film X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> See, there at least you get to meet a whole bunch of characters you've never met before. So that's exciting, in theory. Uh, I'm Adam Kopeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks to our very civil, it turns out, guests, Doug Kopeski. I tried being uncivil in my disagreement, but no one was willing to take me up on it. <laughs> Don't engage. <laughs> y'all Don't know, make eye y'all know, Yeah, y'all know better. And it, it upsets me that you do. <laughs> Tony Huff. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And Paul Wilcox. It was a pleasure. All right. So, yeah, now, now everyone go watch Team Thor today or tomorrow. That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallacereport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there. So if you remember <laughs> one thing, remember that. Not your name, but GobeskiWallaceReport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. March Madness is here for us, at least. So is there March Madness be... happening for anyone else? I don't know what this current situation yes. is. It's going to be in Indianapolis for everyone. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Is it so. still going to be 64 teams? Uh, they've expanded it to 180. And they're all going to be in one arena uh, playing at the exact same time. <laughs> so if you're not playing, you're sitting in the stands? Well, actually, some of the game will happen in the stands. So. Like the yes. actual game or like a fight, like fight at the palace style. Uh, no, no malice at the palace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 64 but, teams. Yes. Or six. Yeah. 64, I think is what, what they're doing. Yes. Five away. Maybe next year they'll get there. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Adam will just ruin the bracket system <laughs> to get that perfect number. <laughs> I like Adam being in like some sort of like power where he can make decisions and <laughs> <laughs> people are like, we're going to do 64 teams. And he's like, well, I'm like, no, no, no. Five wild cards. And, he's five wild <laughs> exactly. cards there. and everyone just looks at him like what? And he's just like, don't make me say it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just roll with it. Just roll with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm holding out for the bracket that's uh, 42,069 teams. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get there anytime soon, Paul. <laughs> I like how that uh, somehow nice. solves the problem. <laughs> I mean, maybe by the year for 2069. <laughs> oh, wow.